Hello and welcome to Cosmos Science Daily, where journalists at the Cosmos Newsroom report on the latest research and discoveries and explain the science behind the headline news. Today's newsroom journalist and reformed archaeologist Amalia Hart is unpacking contraception for male mice with yours truly, applied mathematician, fluid mechanist and human woman who thinks it's crazy that in this day and age, women are still primarily responsible for prevention of pregnancy, Dr. Sophie Calabretto. So today we're talking about a male mouse contraceptive that swept the news last week and in some or many cases exactly for the wrong reasons. Amalia, what has gone down in the world of male mice contraceptives? Well, so last week a team of US researchers reported some promising results in a mouse trial of a male contraceptive that showed 99% efficacy and zero observable side effects. Sounds too good to be true, Amalia. (laughs) It really does. I also think the concept of observable side effects in mice is interesting because ah yeah, I mean how I mean you can only res- like observe, but often you'd need to report a side effect that isn't necessarily obvious, and we can't talk to mice. I didn't yeah. even think about that. I know, but but you know, it's it's a promising early stage result. Mm-hmm. So most compounds in clinical trials where they've tried to actually develop male contraceptives target the male sex hormone, testosterone. Mm -hmm. So they've been known to produce pretty undesirable side effects like weight gain, depression, increased cholesterol. Um, Whereas to develop this non-hormonal male contraceptive, the researchers targeted a protein called the retinoic acid receptor alpha. Okay. So this protein is part of a family of three nuclear receptors that bind retinoic acid, which is a form of vitamin A that plays a key role in cell growth um, and also in embryonic development. So knocking out this gene in male mice, it makes them sterile, but without any currently obvious side effects. Okay. So it's about going to a non-hormonal approach that will still get us to the same position, which is sterile mice without anything bad happening, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, and, and these mice weren't sterile forever. They were able to fire the pups again four to six weeks after they stopped receiving the compound. Oh, I mean, that's good as well. I mean, that was going to be my next question. It's like when we <laughs> sterilize mice, it turns out that then they can never have babies and this probably isn't a good thing in general for contraception. But okay, great. So can we talk very quickly just about male contraceptives, Amalia? Because from my understanding, and I say this with a mother who does have a background in sexual health, I do not believe there are any male contraceptives on the market, or at least male hormonal contraceptives. Why? Well, they've tested a bunch over the years, but, you know, as we've, as we've seen, a lot of the trials have fallen through because of these side effects, you know, acne, mood disorders, libido impacts. Does it sound oh, familiar? Imagine taking <laughs> hormonal contraception and having some of those side effects. That sounds terrible that some yeah. people would have to endure that, doesn't it? Imagine that. But, you know, it has meant that the burden has typically fallen on women to prevent pregnancy. And the contraceptive pill has been on the market for more than 50 years, so it's pretty embedded in the culture. Um, And because there's been this resistance to producing a hormonal male contraceptive that has all these side effects, the researchers figured they wanted to bypass that by creating this non-hormonal contraceptive. Although it does make you wonder why they're not working on, you know, side effect free female contraceptives as well. Right. It sounds like almost this is a societal thing that's ingrained. Like I'm not now I'm talking about how I feel and not necessarily science, perhaps, but we're just so used to women being responsible for prevention of pregnancy. And we have these pills that people can take that prevent pregnancy and it sort of doesn't matter how they work. And then when we go to make some for men, they have the same side effects and that's a problem. So we reinvent those rather than because I presume we are not going back and looking at all the hormonal contraception for women and trying to get rid of those side effects. 
I mean, I assume there is some work being done, done on it, but I don't think there's as much of an impetus, you know, sure. in, when they're testing the male ones, they get thrown out of clinical trials if there's these side effects. Right. The female ones have pushed through clinical trials, they have these side effects, and when mo- a lot of people are just running with them. So, yeah, it's a, I think it's a socialisation thing. We got used to the way things are. Yeah, true. So, okay, we're in, we're in the mice stage now, but does this mean that we're going to have a male contraceptive that is coming onto the market soon for humans? I mean, probably not for a while, if at all. There's been a lot of fuss made online and especially on social media about this new male contraceptive that's 99% mm-hmm. effective, blah, blah, blah. But I think people aren't reading the fine print that this is a mouse trial. Now, mice and men are quite different. <laughs> And obviously, you know, animal studies are a really important early phase in developing drugs, but not all drugs that show promise in mice will turn into effective human medicines. The reason we use mice is because they're mammals and they're abundant and and we're used to using them in science. Um, But also, you know, there is a strong reason to do it. Mice and humans share 92% of our DNA. Wait, what? 92% is that, is that actually a lot? That sounds like a lot to me. It sounds like a lot, but like I, and this is very anecdotal. I don't, I don't know if this is true, but I, I'm fairly sure that we share like something like 80% of our DNA with a banana. So, oh no, I have heard that. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting too impressed by numbers. Um, I'm just a lot, but I guess I'm just sad that if we share 92% of our DNA, I can't grow a tail. That's really where I'm coming at this from. Maybe one day you could. So, okay. So we share a lot of DNA with, with mice and that makes it a good thing to to, to, to test things on mice, but you did suggest that sometimes we don't react to things in the same way as mice. Yeah. I mean, they're useful as a first port of call. Animal trials are necessary in a lot of cases because we've got to figure out what's going to happen to a creature physiologically. And you need to get ethics approval, right? And it's hard to get ethics approval just to give random drugs to people. Well, exactly. There's a strong reason for using them as the first port of call, right? But often drugs that are successful in mouse trials do fail in human trials. So in 1993, there was this drug called fialuridine, I think, not sure how it's pronounced. And it was developed to to treat people with hepatitis B. And it worked really well in mice and and in rats and in dogs and in primates, which obviously we're very closely related to. But when it was administered to humans in trials, I think seven people died of liver failure. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's surprising. I guess, you know, if you've, you've, as you said, you've done mice, rats, dogs, and primates, you're then not expecting this to happen to people. Why? I mean, I presume they worked out why this happened to people. Yeah, you'd think you'd be covered, but for some reason the drug was toxic in humans because of this very specific protein that we have in our mitochondria, which would transport the drug into the mitochondria and essentially poison it. Now, the mitochondria is, as we all know, the the powerhouse of the cell. Yes. (laughs) So you don't want to poison it. Um, Now, that's not to say, by the way, that this contraceptive is going to poison men, but it just illustrates that even when we share DNA with these other creatures and, you know, we share a lot of elements of our physiology, the effects of different drugs aren't always going to be the same. Yes, that's really interesting. And you said that there's been a lot of fuss about this particular study. How have the results been misinterpreted online? Like I can imagine, but what's gone down? Well, it depends on the news outlet. And I know some news outlets don't cover um, drug trials when they're done on mice because they don't always translate to human medicine. We cover them at Cosmos because we're a science publication. So we want to look at the whole scientific process, but we're quite careful with our language, right? Whereas I've seen, especially on social media, you know, social media tiles and memes on Instagram talking about this male contraceptive that's 99% effective and what it's going to do to the world. And it's a pretty good lesson in science communication, really, because some outlets will just 
publish simplified versions of scientific conclusions. Yeah, and, and then you have people reading them and going like, how amazing is this? And it's not true. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, it's a huge problem with social media just to start off with anyway. But I think, you know, we're seeing more and more that it is it can be really dangerous to the scientific community when people take an idea that's incorrect and run with it. A hundred percent. Last year, some researchers did a study and it was looking at mouse studies and how the media represented them. And they found that if the researchers put mouse in the paper title, the study was less likely to be covered by the media, which is fair. Mm -hmm. But they also found that when they compared stories that included mice in the headline, in the news headline, with stories that were also about mouse studies that didn't include the word mice or mouse in the headline, those stories gain more traction. And that makes sense, right? Because we care a lot more about stuff that directly affects us. Yeah. But it matters how you present these issues because other Otherwise, people are going to go around believing in correct things about science. Yeah, hundred percent. So this is this is this story is quite interesting from the two different points of view of almost sort of miscommunication about science in the media, and also the fact that we're focusing on contraception for one biological sex and not the other. That is really interesting. And I guess, you know, the, this, this study is kind of twofold or the story is twofold. We have the study itself and then how the public could possibly be misinterpreting this study because of the way that we communicate it. So thank you to everyone for listening and keep an ear out for our next installment of Cosmos Science Daily. This podcast was brought to you by Cosmos, a publication of the Royal Institution of Australia. 